Um, so glad you could be with us. We're in our series entitled Crowd Control. We're going to get into it pretty quick. You know, I was just thinking I was away a lot lately, and uh, I want you to know something. I, I, I don't know how to put it into words without just you know, getting too mushy, but I just love you guys. I love my church. I miss my church. I think about you guys a lot. And um, I was, you know, I was away uh, again this last week and uh, with a lot of pastors. I actually spoke uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week in Florida. And um, 477 pastors, thousands of people represented, churches represented, um, had an incredible opportunity. And uh, just listening to people and, and the problems and the difficulties and stuff like that, it just makes me really grateful, very, very grateful. You guys are awesome. Give yourselves a high five. You guys are awesome. Seriously. I'm blessed. I'm very blessed. Very blessed. But anyway, we've been in a series, um, and we've talked about a bunch of different things in crowd control. You know, the kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly of crowds. How many have been here for a couple of weeks on crowd control? Okay, good. Mama, Mama Fry opened it up, the series kicked it off, and, and then we talked about uh, kind of Jonathan and, uh, and some principles of stepping out in faith, and then last week we, we pulled some different people out of the crowd, so to speak, of the cloud or the crowd in the cloud, so to speak, and talked about, you know, the leper and we, we, the four lepers and Abel and also Moses. We learned that when we step up, God backs us up, right, with the four lepers. You know, in other words, why sit here till we die? There's sometimes that we need to, we just need to do something. And, and then, of course, when we, we talked about Abel, we really learned how important that, so the first four guys were the walking dead. They, 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 they were kind of uh, crazy looking dudes, but they had an amazing, amazing thing happen to them. And then we talked about Abel, and he's really kind of like the talking dead. The Bible actually says that from the grave, his, his blood still speaks to us, that there's something that's still coming out of him. And his, his primary message was to put God first. Amen. And to put God first, one of the most powerful places to put God first is in our finances. It actually has a strong string attached uh, to our heart is in our finances. And, and then we learned that when we, lead, when, we, when we live by faith, we can sometimes go places that other people can't go. And we learned that in the life of Moses. And we see that because of what he did. There were people that also followed him and did incredible things, and they crossed the Red Sea successfully, but those that followed could not go where they went. They couldn't go to the promised land because they didn't live by faith. And so this series has a lot to do with living by faith. As Christians, we're not just to have a faith, we're to live by faith. Amen? So you ready to take some notes this morning? I'm going to talk to you today about the in crowd, the in crowd. Now, I don't, I'm not a big fan of clicks and clickiness and things like that, but there's a lot of that in the world today, isn't there? Remember that? Remember some of you guys are reflecting on your high school experiences? You know, you just, you see those groups and those clicks, and you want to kind of, you want to be in the in crowd. You know, I was watching uh, an old Cosby special, and uh, remember the Cosby show? Come on, that was a classic, right? And I can't remember, I think it's Vanessa, she went and she wanted to be in the in crowd. In order to be in the in crowd, she went and got drunk one night and, and uh, you know, she was, she suffered for her decision. You know, it was like temporary pleasure with, you know, kind of a long-term consequence. And I was just laughing, just watching how Bill Cosby was interrelating with her, you know, and they were having a conversation and as she's talking to him with her horrible kind of throw up breath, you know, he was just like, you know, like this, and just, it was just, an, it just reminded me of, you know, the, the pros, let's say, that sin has pleasure for a season, 
But the wages of sin, there's a, there's a, there's a payment to that. There's a consequence to that. Uh, I think about modern uh, culture that promotes this idea of just like being in the in crowd. You know, uh, there's a TV show. I thought it was the in crowd, but it's called the it crowd. I think it's like a bunch of IT geeks or something like that. <laughs> Does anybody know the show? I don't know. There's like five seasons of that out there. I never watched it. But, um, but, but there's also like, uh, there's a song. I, I was listening to my, my girl sing it recently. You know, um, you know the, I think it's like Echo Smith or something like that. But, you know, I want to be with the cool kids. You know that song? You know, because all the cool kids, they, they seem to fit in. You know, and uh, it's a cool song, actually. I actually like it. But it's, uh, but it's promoting this idea of just there's an in crowd. There's this, this crowd that can be in. And, and the, the sad part is we don't just see that in culture. We sometimes see that in church, too. Church can have this clickiness, this kind of, you know, who's in the in crowd? Who's the who's who of the charismatic zoo? That's what you used to say as pastors. <laughs> Pastors in certain denomination, it was like, you know, we wanted to be able to roll with those guys and hang with those dudes. And, and then even in the church, the local church itself, there's the kind of us four and no more and we're right and we're praying, you know, and it's just like there's these groups that kind of are exclusive and elitist. And in 2 Corinthians 6, I don't know if this is in your notes, but 17, it says, it says, come out from among them and be separate or separated Notice that it doesn't say isolated. Separated and isolated are two mutually exclusive terms. The devil's counterfeit for separation is isolation. And and separation is where we're in the world, but we're not of it. Uh, It's a physical, where there's a, uh, it's not a physical immersion, excuse me, it's a physical immersion, but not a spiritual one. We are, we are uh, it's a big word, but our hearts are circumcised. We're, we're, our hearts are separated, even though our lives are immersed and connected and apart. And sadly, too many Christians see, and the church in particular can be this way, see separation through the lens of isolation, and that's exactly the opposite of what God wants for us, because the world needs us. Amen. Can I have a better amen? I mean, we need to be... We need to be in the world, just not of the world. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's a crazy analogy, but like we're swimming, but we got scuba gear on. You know what I'm saying? Like we're just kind of protected, you know? We're in the ocean, but we're not, we're catching fish, uh, but we're not from, we're not on the, we're not on the shore, but we're in it catching fish. We're harpooning fish from the inside. In Matthew 5, 14, it says, you are, say I am. The light of the world, you know, the church is the light to the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That's a good word, a few words to underline. We cannot be hidden. It's just imperative. The message of Jesus Christ, the good news, the gospel can only be communicated through the church. If it doesn't happen through us, it's not going to happen. It's supposed to happen through us. And so we're called to be light and dark, to show people a better way, kind of be a lighthouse for all those people that are out there that need rescue, that are shipwrecked, that are messed up. It's like, come this way. It's a better way. We're not better than you. We just, we're just better off because we know you. Amen? It's just a different thing. And so, we're, amen, we're not here to live isolated lives. And, 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 you know, and I'm not against these things, so don't misinterpret that because we have them. But it's, you know, sometimes we as Christians, we're like about Christian schools, and we're about Christian clubs, and we're about Christian proms, and we're about just Christian events and everything. Christian, 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 Christian. And just, just separate, separate, separate. Uh, you know, excuse me, isolate, isolate, isolate. Instead, we're supposed to be separate. Now, I think there's a season where we need to be trained up. 
That's why I believe in Christian school. I believe in that. But there's a time where we should be trained up to get up and get out into the world and make a difference in the world. But sometimes we can go on and on and on forever, just kind of waiting and waiting until he returns and hoping I can hold on until he comes back. That's messed up. Everybody say, that's jacked up. All right. You know, so I think we need to lift Jesus higher, and in order to do that, we gotta, we got to get the word out. I was speaking uh, just last week in the South, and, and I met a guy whose name was Jesus. First guy I met when I walked into this uh, big church, this conference center or whatever, and I introduced myself, and, and then he said, and I told him, my, my name is Derek, and he said, my, he says, I'm Jesus. <laughs> I said to him, I said, you're not exactly what I expected, you know what I mean? <laughs> He was like five foot two, you know what I mean? He's from Mexico. You know, he had a really thick accent, you know what I mean? I thought I was talking to Nacho Libre, not Jesus. And, and it, was, it, was a little, it was a little scary. And so instead of shaking his hand, though, I decided to play it up and have some fun. I was sort of shaking. I said, you know, can I just give you a hug? I mean, you're Jesus. I got to give you a hug. So I picked him up right off the ground. You know, he's a little guy, you know? I'm just like, yeah, I got Jesus, Jesus, you know what I mean? And I started, you know, if, if I lift Jesus high, he'll draw all men in himself. And all these people were watching us as I was hugging Jesus. And so I don't want to be known as a Christian church, you know, that hides my faith behind closed doors or walls, right? I don't want to be known as isolationistic, and I don't think you do either, amen? And so the, the church should be a place where, where people are attracted and drawn to it, not kind of uh, given the Heisman and saying, this, this, isn't, this is just for church people. I don't want to be a prisoner of a religious culture. I don't want to be a person, you know, who's not, I want to be a person who empties hell and populates heaven. You know, not, not just making sure, you know, I'm not going there, but I want to make sure my neighbors don't go there, my friends don't go there. And I don't want to be a church that's just about keeping us together, but reaching people with us, pulling them in. Like I was talking about last week, Moses didn't just leave the world. He went into the world to take people out of it. And that's, that's, that's that. It's, we're not the Savior, but we're supposed to act and behave like our Savior and do what he did. And the church crowd and, and churches alike, sometimes we need to have this, these kingdom values. And I think when we have these kingdom values, then God puts his favor on a church. So if, does anybody want, do you know what I mean by favor? I mean, just, just bless. It's just like, it's like, it's like the, the good hands people. It's like the Midas touch. It's like whatever you do, it's, it's just got, it's blessed. Joseph, you know, in the Bible, he, everything he did prospered. Everything he did prospered. He had the Midas touch on everything. He had favor on his life. And we want to have that kind of favor in our lives. And, and we want to have that kind of favor on our church. And one of the ways to do that is to not be isolated from the world, but to be influencing the world. We'll talk more about that as we go forward. But it, it looks different when there's favor on something. It looks different when, yes, we keep our hearts and we protect our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 tells us to do so. But we're, we're being primarily an influence on the world and the world is on us. And in order to be an influence on the world, we have to be in it. We have to be in it, connected to it. You know, yesterday my wife and I had a cookout with, with just, you know, people that, no, no Christians, just a cookout. All, it was just awesome. I love it. I love it. I love breaking down walls. Amen. I love, you know, they're all sizing me up. They're all, you know, he's, wait a second, you know, he's, he's a preacher. I mean, what, it, he talks different. You know what I mean? I don't see the caller. I didn't hear the King James. I didn't hear the whithersoever thou goest thou shouts. I didn't hear him. You know, he seems to be having fun. He just, he just yelled because he threw the frisbee into the street. And he seemed normally angry like I get sometimes. And he's 
competitive and you know what I mean? And, and you know, it's just, I just love breaking down those images. And then before you know it, we're talking about church and we're talking about God. And I was telling them, you know, that, you know I know you got, a, you, know, you got a lot of people in that parking lot. That's what they said. A lot of people in that parking lot. A lot of church people going to church. I said, well, it's not just church people. It's a lot of people that church is new to them and church wasn't part of who they were. And, and it's just, it just seems like with all, that, all those people, there's just, there must be a certain something going on there. Like some kind of, and in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, it's favor. It's because we're, we're not just about us. You know, I was, it, there's, a, there's a modern term, a, a parallel, a, a, it's kind of a, I'm trying to think of a picture, a, a facsimile, I guess would be the word, or some kind of a illustration to try to explain what it's like to have favor on a church. But everybody that's had any sports exposure knows the idea of what it means to be, have home court advantage or home team advantage. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, I, I'm not a Kansas Jayhawks fan, but I love college basketball, and um, and I respect this particular team and this dynasty that they have down there. But from like 2005 to 2014, uh, Kansas had a 107-2 record at home. Hello. 107 wins, two losses. How many people want to go into that place and play? And it's, it's fundamentally because they had the, the strongest home court advantage, really, of any school in history. I mean, you would go there, and they would just shout you down. If you shot a foul shot, you couldn't hear yourself think. You, you, you were blinded by the noise. And, and you know this to be true in sports. Sometimes you, you see these, these playoff games and these situations in sports and football and a quarterback's trying to call a play or, or he's trying to call an audible or something like that and he's completely drowned out and the play falls apart. Why? Because of the home team advantage. How many know that that's what the church ought to be like? It ought to have a home team advantage. There ought to be a home court advantage in the church of Jesus Christ. When something's said, it's like, yeah, you know? And when something's wrong, there's a roar that just kind of takes that over, and there's a momentum to it that just kind of squashes those things like a bug. What can you do to create a home team advantage is some of what I want to talk about today because there's an in-crowding culture that is, leads us astray. But there's an in-crowd in Christianity that can keep us on track, amen? And so I want to talk to you, and some of this will be new to you. It'll be some different stuff that I've maybe never communicated on a Sunday morning before, but uh, there's a right in-crowd, Christians that are following the right principles and and godly wisdom, but what does the in-crowd look like? So to be in the in-crowd, number one, write this down, remember your leaders. Remember your leaders, to be on that God's team, to have that home court advantage in your life, in the life of your family, your marriage, your church, your business. Number one, remember your leaders. Is everybody tracking with me out there? Yes. Hebrews 13, verse 7, follow with me. It says, remember your leaders. Obviously, that means don't forget about them. Who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome, that's a key word, remember an outcome would be the key words, the outcome of their conduct, that's referring to their way of life, their behavior, and then it says imitate their faith, their beliefs, the things that they espouse, the things that they communicate. 
And one thing is for certain, as Christians, we're not called to be cookie-cutter Christians where everybody has to be like somebody else. We don't need to, because Christians, we shouldn't have someone's sickness. We shouldn't, we shouldn't try to, you know, be like somebody else. We need to be who God's created us to be. We need to figure out our identity in Christ. We need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. We are all individuals. We have all been given a, a specific assignment and certain gifts, and there's a look and there's a feel to us. However, that may be true, but it's also equally clear that there are leaders who are worthy of following and imitating. Mimicking would be the word, imitate. The, the Greek word is mimeo, mimic those kind of people. I used to mimic people when I was young because uh, I wanted to be like them because I didn't know who I was. I didn't, I didn't know my, I didn't have my voice. I didn't, I didn't have my identity. I, I didn't have, I wasn't secure as a person. And, and so I would look to, in particular, famous people. And one particular person was, was an athlete, Air Jordan. Come on, somebody. If you had to pick somebody in the world, that's not so bad. You know what I mean? At least as an athlete. At least as an athlete. And so I would do, I wanted to be like Mike. I, I, I knew the commercial. You know what I mean? I, I, I just got all his stuff. I got all his gear. And I could put everything, I could, just like David putting on Saul's armor, I could put on all his stuff. But how many know I didn't look like Michael Jordan? <laughs> I don't care how, I couldn't get my tongue, couldn't come out quite as far as he could. I mean, he could lap the floor with his tongue. He could kiss his eyeball. He, he, he I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I couldn't walk with that swag, you know, my knuckles, you know, didn't go past my knees, you know, like he did. I didn't have that fly swag that he did. I tried to do the moves that he did, you know what I mean? My nickname in high school, this is the honest to God truth, uh, Coach Croce, my JV coach, he called, my nickname was Sports Illustrated, S.I. Fry. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I can feel the anointing on that, you know what I mean? S.I. Fry. Now, what he would say was, Fry, it looks good, but you never make the shot. I'd go up, you know, oh, oh, left hand, bang, off the backboard, that baby would go. I'd come up and under, woo, bang, off the other side. Couldn't make those up and unders, but they look good going up, baby. I'd be like, Dad, look at this, woo, -hoo, woo, -hoo. Miss. S.I. Fry. Because I was focusing on the wrong thing. I was focused on how it looked and not what happened. I wasn't focused on the finish. I wasn't focused on the right things. And we need to focus on the right things in the people we follow. Amen? We're a lot of times doing that in life. We're focusing on the, the personalities. We're focusing on all the hype. We're focusing on these flash-in-the-pan successes. We're, fo we're focusing on, you know, the popularity of a person. And sometimes in a short time later, the person's poisoned by life and their decisions, and we've idolatrized them. And the Bible says, remember the leaders who spoke what? The word of God. Remember the leaders who spoke the word of God. Not the word of the world, but the word of God. We need to remember God leaders and, find, and, and follow them. This is something I just, this is my opinion. You can, you can take this or leave this. But I just believe a sign that you are rooted Maybe not truly saved, but rooted in your salvation is your hero's change. Let's just take that as experience speaking to you. Your hero's change. I saw a shift in my life somewhere in late high school to early college where it wasn't about Michael Jordans and, and, and the Michael J. Foxes of the world, these funny characters on TV. It, it became, you know, these other men of God. 
that I wanted to be like and aspire to be like and follow and remember. And you see the world differently because you want to follow people who don't conform to it, but transform it. So your leaders change. And it's important if you don't have leaders that you get them, you remember them, you consider the outcome of their way of life. And until you figure out who you are in Christ Jesus and what it means to be a Christ follower in the world today, you do well to remember your leaders and imitate their conduct. Amen? It goes on, again, it says, consider the outcome of their way of life. So what, what do I want to say about that? You need, for a certain period of time, and at some, to some extent ongoingly, you need to do your due diligence. You need to watch them. You need to observe them. You need to consider the outcome of their way of life, their behaviors, their character. But once that's determined, are you guys with me so far? Once that's determined, you need to follow what you saw. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you get how important this is. A lot of people have, are continually observing people's behaviors and considering their outcomes of their way of life, but they haven't determined to follow their faith and to imitate their conduct. And the Bible says, is, if that's true, if you've done those things, then you should follow them. You should follow them. I guarantee that there are plenty of people in this world who probably like to stand here and speak from this pulpit. And the Bible says in James 3, 1, he who teaches more, he who teaches will be judged more strictly. This is, I'm not better than you. I don't, I, 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 the only reason there's more authority is because there's more responsibility because I'm speaking to more people. So I have more weight on me because I'm here than you. That's the difference between, so authority and responsibility are hand in glove. They go hand in glove with each other. So you can't have authority I'm going to tell you some stuff without having more, what, responsibilities. That makes sense to everybody that's out there? And so it's not, I'm better, you need to tell, I need to tell you what to do, blah, 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 blah. No, there's more weight on me. There's more weight with that. So you, so you could be sure that people want to speak up here and say certain things, and there are probably plenty that could and do a really good job. But you have to consider the, the, their conduct. You have to consider and weigh and look at the outcomes of their way of life. That's why I'm very careful who comes into this pulpit and speaks to my church and my spiritual family. We don't just import people in who, who you know, the, the, the who's who and the charismatic zoo, as I was saying. We don't just get people who are hot on the, on the, you know, on the playlist right now of Christianity. No. We want to know them. want to know them. So I, have, I bring in friends. People like Jonathan Del Turco, 34 years of faithful ministry. Hello, John Burns, Pastor John Burns, 35 years of faithful ministry, one wife the whole time, one church the whole time. It's powerful, right? So I consider them. I remember those leaders. It's important. And you need to do the same thing in your life, in your personal life, because many are following gifting alone, and they need to follow conduct and faith. And we need to see congruency in people's lives. No one's perfect. That's what everybody says. Well, no one's perfect. You're right. No one is perfect. I'm not perfect. Jonathan Del Turco's not perfect. John Burns is not perfect. The only people, the only person who's perfect is Jesus. There's no one without sin. No, not one except Jesus. Amen. But we cannot let that statement, that phrase, be an excuse or justification for following somebody's gifting while they are willfully and ongoingly in sin and violating principles and precepts of God's world. Of word, excuse me. And so if, if leaders in the world don't seem different, 
They cuss like a sailor, whatever. You know, you know they're, they're, uh, they drink like fish. They, they, they don't seem to be going into a world and influencing the world, but the world seems, they blend in. They blend in. Like, I, I, I evaluate. When I left the cookout last night, I was thinking, you know, was I blending in or was I making a difference? You know what I mean? But I can remember this, this lady hugging my family before we left. We just met her. She's, and I just I went to shake her hand. So it was really nice to me. And she goes, oh, no, no, no. I'm a hugger. And she gave me a hug. And then she gave my kids a hug. And she told my kids how precious they were. And she goes, you have a special family. I thought, eh, we've only been here a couple hours. My family's already influencing these people. I said, praise the Lord. There's, so I was reflecting on these different conversations. Am I making a difference? Does that make sense to everybody that's out there? And so we wonder why the church has so many who are hurt and disillusioned. Maybe it's because we get too enamored and starstruck by the wrong things in our leaders. And perhaps if we followed the Bible's advice, we'd be able to avoid this. Amen? So follow leaders. Write this in your notes. This is bonus. Philippians 3, 17, and Philippians 4, 9. I just want you to see an example. Are you guys enjoying this? Yes. Okay, 3.17, it says, this is just Paul speaking. So this isn't Jesus. This is Jesus' followers who then led people who were followers. Okay? Paul says... He, he doesn't say like Charles Barkley, I'm not a role model. Well, yes, you are, Charles, because you're in public. Yes, you are, because you're an athlete. Yes, you are, because you're on TV. You've decided not to be one intentionally, but unintentionally, you are a role model. So if you have anybody following you, you are a role model. But Paul says, I intentionally decide to be that. He says, join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those things who live according to the pattern we gave you. What's an example of the pattern? Philippians 4 and 9, next chapter says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So you need to remember your leaders. You need to observe the outcome of their way of life, but you need to do something with it. Once the due diligence is done, once you've determined that they're a leader worthy of following, follow. Do something with what they give you. Amen? Don't follow leaders who are negative and speak ill of others. You know, there's some obvious things you don't follow. Don't follow leaders that are filled and full of pride. Create, you know, don't follow leaders that create codependent cultures where they teach people to hear from, you know, just only from you, but not from God for themselves. You know what I mean? So are they, is, the, is the leadership teaching you how to get to God yourself or does everything have to go through? That's something I had to work on. I had to make sure that I'm pointing people, instructing people, that I'm equipping people. I'm not Jesus. I'm going to point people to Jesus, okay, because I'll, I'll let you down. I'll let, I'll, I'll, I can't do what he does. Follow, don't follow leaders that, 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 don't, that tell you to do something and don't do that themselves. You all need to tithe, and then they don't tithe. That's just ridiculous, Ridiculous. I did a, a, a seminar a couple of years ago with my dad, a financial seminar for Pastor Dick Germain. He got all these pastors together. And the number one, he surveyed all the people, all these pastors in New England, his network, and the number one problem they have in their life and in, excuse me, in their, in their church's uh, ministry was the money. They struggle with money. And so he, Pastor Dick said, you know, Ernie and Derek, would you come in and, and talk to these guys? Well, first of all, that was the number one thing surveyed. 87% said that was the number one problem. And then they had their lowest attendance for the event they'd ever had. So, the, so as my father would say, it's like a depression. They were too poor to pay attention. And so nobody even, hardly any, but the people who did show up, when we started talking about church stuff, realized they were, they were believing their church to do something that they weren't doing themselves, because they started asking questions, and many of these pastors weren't doing it themselves. 
How do you expect anybody to follow you when you're not living it yourself? Amen? If, 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 you know, if they abuse their authority, you don't want to follow somebody that's abusing their authority and influencing for their purposes. You want to know that they're objective. Sometimes, I will say this, I feel this sometimes, I'm being transparent at the moment, sometimes I think people won't go to authority because they make an assumption that they can't be objective. And so they circumvent the process of seeking counsel and wise counsel. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm thinking, I think God's called us to a new season. I think, he's, I think we're going to be moving to a new location. I think we're going to be taking this job. I think, we, I think God's called us to plant a church. I think whatever he's called. And they just assume that I'm just going to poo-poo that because I, I just want to keep everybody here and just fill seats. I want to fulfill the call of God for, on this church, but I also want to help people fulfill the call of God on their lives. Our vision, and I say it all the time, is to help you fulfill your vision. So, so, anybody getting that, what I'm saying? So, wrong leaders, sometimes they say things like, and you see this on TV, you know, if you give tonight in this special service under this special anointment, $1,000, I feel the Holy Spirit telling me, $1,000. You plant a seed of $1,000, then the Lord has showed me that you will receive a hundredfold return. Listen, I heard that just this last month on TV. Now, now, Christian television's gone downhill quite a bit. You have to actually find it. You have to search for it now. It used to be plastered all over the place because, because people are just sick of it at this particular point, some of the things that are on it. And I know I'm on camera, so this is going to probably have to be edited out. But... <laughs> but some Christian television is wonderful. I love some of the people that are out there. But... But I'm not going to put in, in, in words in Jesus' mouth that he didn't say himself. He said that we'll get a 30, 60, 100-fold return. He did not guarantee a 100-fold return. So for me to put a guarantee on something, for some man of God to put a guarantee on something is manipulating the word of God to my own purposes. And that's wrong. And I can't and no man can make promises that God himself didn't make. Amen? So question is, who are you following? Don't answer that out loud, but do you follow anybody? My experience is a lot of people suffer. They do not have the favor and blessing of God on their life because they have nobody that they're following. There's nobody that can stick their finger in your eye and say, you are not seeing straight. There's something that's off. Where are you at? What's going on with you? What, you know, what leader has the most influence on your life? Is it Michael Jordan? Is it some person that you're reading about? Is it some business tycoon or guru? Is it some guy you follow on Twitter? Some podcast you listen to or somebody you, you searched on Google? Be careful, the Bible says, to know who you're following. Whew, this is quiet in here, but this is good preaching anyway. Is there anyone in your life that you could say is worth following? If there is, then I think that you need to just once in a while give them a high five and add a boy and thank them. Thank them, because there's very few people who have stepped into that role and accept that role. Paul said, follow my example. He signed up for it. He said, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be that guy. That's why whenever you step, anybody that steps into a leadership position is saying like Paul, follow my example. I commend you. I commend all the dream team, all the people who lead small groups, all the people who counsel, all the people who disciple, all the people who evangelize, all the people that use their talents and gifts in all different ways, public and private. Good job. Come on, give him a big hand. Anybody that was a leader that's done that, it's awesome. It's awesome. Amen. Amen. Let's go on. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. 
Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Submit to them so you are a blessing to them. Do you see that? Submit to them so you are a blessing to them. This will be of no benefit to you if you are a burden. So the Bible's saying, follow, submit to them, do this so their work will be a joy and you'll be a blessing to them. You need to make sure of that, but it's going to help you. It will go well for you if you do so. Submission is a big issue with people. And so whenever you've done that due diligence, whenever you've gone through that assessment process of a person, uh, there's a lady in this church, she's not here in this particular service, but she, I get it, she cracks me up, she's a very strong lady uh, who I love very, very much, and she's plugged in and planted in this church right now, but she came to church here about three or four times, but her first time coming here, she got me in the parking lot and she just grilled me. Do you know what I mean when I say grilled? Like, I mean, first of all, she was up in my grill, and I was like, you're going to have to step back and get a Tic Tac. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but she, she was just up in my grill, and she's asking me tough questions. Who are you accountable to? And who do you, where, you know, tell me about, do you make all the decisions on the money? And I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Is this an interview, or are we just saying Hello? But I appreciated not necessarily the acceleration, speed, and depth to which she went to in that short period of time, but I appreciated what she was, what she was up to. You know what I mean? Because now she's a submitted follower. She's a submitted leader in our church. Amen? So you need to find those people. And you need, because it, the only person that loses if you don't get to that place is you. Is you. You lose. Some people, Christians, never get to this place. They're never following well. They're always opposing. Are you this kind of a person? Ask yourself this. Always challenging, always assessing, maybe even disruptive, maybe even counterproductive at times. This is an authority problem, and the Bible says you lose. Are you always mentally got your arms crossed? You know, are you always kind of in that disposition, mentally, and attitude? It, it, it says obey them. And that's strong because the world is critical of this. But I think this, and this is another phrase, young people, this is a good one to write down, but really everybody too. We need a person in our life, especially as we're made. The reason I say young people is because 18 to 25, we make the biggest decisions in our entire life. And you need somebody who is sitting front row with you on those major decisions. Who's in the front seat, not in the back seat of your life on major decisions. But the truth is, major decisions are being made your entire life. And you need somebody whose words, this is what my daddy said to me, whose words have weight. It's like, I'm going this way, and they said, that's not a good idea. And you were like, ah. like oh, if I keep going this way, that, that's heavy. I need to really think about what... I call my dad E-Dog. E-Dog said, shh, there's weight, you know? Or Charlie Legassi, I'm going to buy this car. And he's like, you don't, you don't need that, you know? He's got those conservative values. And then there's some decisions that I've made. And I, told, I repented to him just about, a, about a, six months ago about a decision I made, a financial decision I made without consulting him. I'm 40-something years old. <laughs> I don't need Charlie to tell me how to make up my mind. <laughs> but do you guys get what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how old you are. 
there's a value, there's a safety, there's a spiritual principle when we, when we are submitted to someone and their words we allow and give permission. See, permission precedes submission. We allow them permission to speak in our life and their words have weight. And we feel that. Do you have that? If you don't, you're not going to feel the home team advantage, the blessing and favor of God in your life. This is really good stuff. It's going to save a lot of people. Okay? But God works through delegated authority. That's his system. We see that in the world. There's chaos without leadership. Military would be chaos. Sports teams would be chaos. Family would be chaos. And can I tell you something? The church would be chaos. And it doesn't run the way it's supposed to run if you don't remember your leaders, consider the outcome of their life, but imitate their conduct, their behavior, their, and their faith and their values. Amen? And leaders are there to, for your benefit, for your protection, not your control. I'm sorry for those people who abuse it. I'm sorry. But don't charge that to somebody else's account and don't continue to live on deficit spent in your account. Never allowing a leader back into your life. So don't ever, don't ever ask. You can write these things down. This is bonus also, I guess. I got so much bonus material. It's ridiculous. We're probably going to get to point one. Don't ever ask or submit to someone who tries to get you to do something immoral, illicit, or illegal. So let me make some clear points to you. All right? Immoral, illicit, or illegal. Immoral is like unethical. Uh, licentious is a big word, but just like wrongful behavior. Just wrong behavior. Illicit is improper. It, it, you know, it's... it's uh, not customary. It's usually sexually. Illicit is usually connected to sexual. Uh, illegal is criminal. You're violating the laws of man. Outside of that, okay, it's good to have leadership in your life and you rarely lose having leadership in your life in that way. Amen? So this is the right kind of crowd, the in crowd. It's filled with followers who imitate leaders who conduct themselves in faith and obey and submit to godly leadership. Follow leaders if what they say is biblical. Follow leaders if what they say points them to Jesus. Follow leaders if, what they, if their beliefs are visible, not invisible. And some don't see why this is so important, but the, and I'll, I'll probably close with this just for the sake of time, and I want to honor you a crazy weekend. But the most influential man or person to walk on the earth in the Old Testament, does anybody have a guess who that was probably? From a miraculous standpoint, Moses. Moses, Moses, right? Charlton Heston, Moses movie. So Moses, if you think about it, the Bible refers to him as the humblest man on the earth. Hmm, connection. Super humble. I don't have it all going on. I don't know everything. I'm not large and in charge. It's not all about me. I got the, you know, on everything. Nope. And Moses, who is used in miraculous like crazy, he submitted to his, not just his father, but he had a father-in-law who he submitted to, Jethro. And he followed his advice, and he was used mightily. Now let's take it to the New Testament. The person who was used in the New Testament the most mightily was Jesus, right? Jesus, the Son of God. Now Jesus submitted to his father. So you see, submission to leadership. John 14, 31, I want the world to know that I love the Father, and I do exactly what he tells me to do. The, the inference, the, the actual 
the actual way to describe what that saying is, it's basically saying nothing more, nothing less. I do exactly what he tells me to do, precisely what he tells me to do. Nothing more, nothing less. I want the world to know this. Okay, why is that important? So you see this in Gethsemane. Jesus said, oh, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to do this. Surrenders his will, does, follows the mission and plan determined by his sovereign father. Okay, and he does that. He surrenders that. Right? Everybody track with me? So you see tremendous submission. At the same time, there's a proportion, proportionate blessing and favor, submission to leadership, and flip it around, and authority. So the Bible says over and over again, Jesus spoke as one having authority. In other words, dude, what's up with that guy? It's totally different with him than it is with him, or the priest down at the temple, or the Pharisee, or the Sadducee. When Jesus spoke, Bam. His word had weight. Why did his words have weight? Because he was under authority. Because he was under authority. So here's the principle. To have authority, you have to be under authority. You have to be under authority. That's the way it works. That's the way God is. You'll be a better boss when your people know you're listening and following someone else. You'll be a better son or daughter. The Bible says that if you honor your father or mother, it goes on to say that it may go well with you. You live a long life. How many want to live a long life? You'll be a better employee when you're following your employer because the Bible says he who sees in secret will reward you openly by what you do. Amen? So these, this particular point is tethered to, this, to the next point. Can you give me five minutes on the next point? All right, so they're in perfect balance with each other. So here's the second point. Understand the power of agreement. Everybody say agreement. The power of agreement. Psalm 133, 1 says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the Mount of Zion. For there, everybody, see, everybody say there. Yeah. Where? There. Where? There. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. He commanded the blessing. So, because people came together in agreement, the power of unity, it was there that God commands his blessing, his favor on those people. So follow leaders who are, yeah, lives are worthy of following, but then we have to learn about the power of agreement because it's there in that power of agreement. Again, one is tethered to the other. People don't get into the power of agreement until you first remember your leaders, submit, consider the outcome of their way of life, and submit to their, to submit to their authority, okay? Hebrews 13, 7 and 17, all right? So you have to have the first part to be able to really benefit from the second part. So don't see these as two separate. They're inseparable. They are partners, okay? But when you understand the first and you are under the first, you'll be blessed and be able to see the benefit of the second. But when God commands a blessing, I don't understand how to explain this really perfectly, but when you think about God's word, when he speaks something, he said, let there be light, and there was what? Light. And it settled. He didn't have to say, oh, son, keep it up. Hang on up there. Just go a little bit longer. Don't give up. No. Every single day, the sun rises. Every single day, the sun falls. The next day, it rises and it falls on one word from God. He commanded it, and it was. It was. It settled. So if God would do that with that, anytime he says he commands something, you need to know that he will do it. It is settled. 
It is settled. He commands a spirit to come out. He commands somebody to be healed. He commands a situation. He commands a blessing. One word from God changes it because people preceded by that command is unity, is agreement, the power of agreement. Are you tracking with me out there? When God commands it, it's just going to happen. So here's your principle. When people get together in agreement, God commands his blessing. And when you get in agreement, you don't lose, you win. And, and some people say, well, I don't want to just be a yes man. Well, you need to be a yes man to the word, the will, the ways of God. That's the thing we should be saying yes to. Yes and what? Amen. Come on, let's say that. Yes and uh, amen. All right. Get in agreement. What does that look like? Get in agreement with your spouse. <laughs> taking, taking a new life of its own. You got to get in agreement in lots of areas in your life, with your spouse, with, with the God's plan for your life, with the vision of your church. Are you in agreement with the vision of your church? Do you know it? Can you articulate it? Are you passionately behind it? Are you in accord with it? Look at some of the examples. Ecclesiastes 4 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two people come into agreement, there's a good reward. Matthew 18, 19 says, if two of you agree on earth about what? About what? Say it strong. About what? Anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. There's power in agreement. That's what Jonathan did with his armor bearer. Hey, perhaps if we go over there, we'll be, able to, we'll be able to destroy and take the camp back from us. Perhaps. Would you really want to go with me? Yes, I'm with you, heart and soul. They got into agreement, and God did something crazy and miraculous. All right? It's, it's, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's that way in our relationships, husbands and wives. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Or it may say in your translation, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. That means in spite of the fact that you think you're co they're complicated, God has bestowed it upon you to be able to figure them out. <laughs> that's my translation, okay? And then it says, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. All right, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this, that your prayers may not be what? Hindered. Your prayers won't be hindered. In other words, the Bible's saying, guy, you're having trouble in a certain part of your life? You have a sickness maybe in your life that you want God to heal? You're having a hard time getting this job? You don't know why you're not getting this job? Well, buddy, you're not going to get that job. I'm not listening to that prayer until you get in agreement with your wife. Ooh, nobody likes this point, but this is a good point right here. This is good pastoring right here. People are like, oh, man, that hurts. But God's like, I'm not listening to you. That's my translation of how God would behave. It's like you can cast out devils. You can shunda amanda. You know, you can do all these different things you want. Shunda time bow tie, all these different things that you want to do by the spirit. Woo, call out all these crazy things. But if you are not in agreement... Your prayers are hindered. That's the Bible. Deal with it. That's what it says. Agreement is crucial to blessing. Amen? Let me tell you. Can I share a testimony with you about two people who came into agreement? Listen, this is a true story that happened last month in our church. Hey, PD and Stacey, we want to send you a note to tell you about an awesome prayer answered and the reason for our recent large tithe. Last year, we evaluated our financial situation because it had changed so much after first buying a house. And then we had a child. And we've been diligent to pay down debts, but still had quite a bit of student loan, debt, etc. And we didn't have much left over each month. We had actually gotten ourselves in a situation where we hadn't tithed for a long time because it had broken our fragile budget. We knew we needed to be tithing and get out from underneath our debt. 
we both work in large corporate environments where they, they like to set B-H-A-G-S's, big, hairy, audacious goals. Just throw a huge goal out there, strive for it, and see what happens. Knowing God's will for our finances and his ability to, to work in our lives, we decided to set a B-H-A-G for our finances. We decided to believe God for enough money to pay off our debts and have some left over to continue making our house a home. $100,000. That's what we needed. That's what we needed, and it is a B-H-A-G that we agreed on in prayer and believed God for. Everybody catch that? This month, within a few days, we received $100,000 from a few different sources. A bonus, inheritance, a tax return, and so on. God met our big, hairy, audacious goal. We paid off all our student loans, and aside from our mortgage, we will be debt-free in May. Because of the power of agreement. Agreement. A lady left this service last uh, two weeks ago. And her, her, she was a, just a desperate situation. And she waited, waited, waited until all the people left. And she came back out in the parking and said, would you pray with me? Would you come into agreement with me and pray a, pray, a prayer of blessing over me with a situation with my son and my, and, and my, and my, bro- my brother-in-law? He's in a coma and my son is in a difficult situation. And she came back to me last week and told me that same hour the man came out of the coma. And the charges were dropped on her son because of agreement, 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 agreement. If a house divided itself against itself, it cannot stand. We have to have the courage to be in agreement. Genesis, you know this, it says if one people speak in the same language, if they begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do is impossible for them. They had a selfish ambition, but if the church of Jesus Christ with a holy ambition came into agreement, what could be done? We could change the world. And so we have to stop griping and complaining and whining and pining and assessing and checking it all out and watching. We need to remember our leaders. We need to consider. Consider the outcome of their way of life. We need to come under leadership and imitate and follow their faith and their behavior. And then we need to get into the power of agreement. In Acts chapter 2, 44, it says, Now all who believed were together. Everybody say together. Together. And had all things in common. They were stronger together. I was watching a movie on the plane yesterday, uh, excuse me, a couple of days ago when I was coming back. I think it was Friday or Thursday night. And it was the Planet of the Apes. Anybody know the new one? It's not the second new one, but the first new one. And Caesar, this ape, is like figured out how to get out of his cage and rally all these people, all these apes around him. They people. They feel they look like people. They act like people. <laughs> act like some people I know. Anyway, they uh, he rallies them all together. But they're but before that they were fighting and they were just 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 arguing with each other and it was all about themselves. And and Caesar is talking to this orangutan. It's just a cool conversation. They're talking, like sign language stuff and stuff. And so. Caesar takes this stick and he breaks it. And he says, by ourselves, we're weak. And then he breaks the thing again. He breaks it again and he pulls it together. And he's got all these sticks together. And he goes, together, we're strong. And then they, they show later on how they all rally together and they're just, they're just united. And, that's exa- and I'm thinking to myself. I'm thinking to myself of some of the causes that are out there that people have got behind. Uh, recently, the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. A great cause. Don't misinterpret. I think it was awesome. And I just saw the momentum when people came together. You know, historical events, Martin Luther, whatever it is. I'm thinking, though, if a pack of apes on a movie can get together, 
what should the church of Jesus Christ be able to do if they could stop whining and pining and fighting amongst themselves and being divided and divisive and not being good followers who then eventually become good leaders? What would happen if we remember our leaders? What would happen if we submitted to our leaders? What would happen if we understood and actually behaved like people who came into agreement with each other on things? What could happen? We would change the world, amen? Acts 2.1 says, when the day of Pentecost, it's amazing that Kevin was talking about that this morning, and the description was in my notes today, had fully come. It said they were all with one accord. They were not in a Hyundai Sonata or a Honda Accord. That's not what it's talking about. They were all in one accord. Okay, that means they were together. They were united. What? In one accord, in one place. Everybody say one accord. One place. Those are the conditions. Now look at those conditions. One accord, one place, and then the Bible says, and suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. So the same time that I came together with this woman and prayed, the same hour, suddenly, this man came out of a coma. The same time that a wife got in agreement with her husband about their finances and decided to do it God's way, submit to his authority, then come into agreement in prayer, $100,000 in a few days. I want you to understand the power of agreement. You say, well, that's just for them. Okay, well, that's your faith. My faith is going to cooperate and get in line with what God says, not what I think or what you think. I'd rather be a person who follows what he says and see what happens. Yeah. What happened is that it brought heavenly intervention. It says, suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And as you know, this was when God poured out his spirit upon the early church. What happened is they were filled with the power of God. What preceded this? The power of agreement. Amen? Why don't you stand your feet? Let me pray for you. God is good. Amen? God is good. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just, just, just open your hands almost like just I'm receiving, God, your word today. Maybe bow your heads, you know, close your eyes, but just kind of put your antenna up, so to speak, and you're just saying, I'm receiving your word for my life today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Some of the struggles you're having in your life, some of the problems that may be happening in your life is nobody can speak into your life. Oh, I let the Holy Spirit speak into my life. Really? Really? Do you? Well, sometimes God gives exactly what you need, but it's always not always in the prettiest package. Sometimes coming under authority doesn't mean just God's authority without delegated authority. Authorities that God has put right in your life, but you're not submitted to anyone or any, any time in your life. And maybe that's why there's struggle. If you have an authority issue and you know there's some, it doesn't mean you're a maverick and a rebel and it's intentional, but you know there's something about that that resonates with you. I want, to, I, want, I want to encourage you to come and receive prayer today. I want you to come down front and I want you to receive prayer that there's something in my heart that needs to release this fear, uh, this need to just, just be in control. And I want to come under the protection, not the restriction. I want to come under the covering. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Maybe you need to come under that protection, Psalm 91, in your life. But in order to do so, you just got to say yes to God. Be a yes to the word, the ways, and the will of God. If that's you, this is going to be your prompting right after I finish praying to come down front and receive prayer for that. Now, if you're here today, another way that we get an agreement is through confession. Confession. 
Sometimes confession is misunderstood. The word is actually homologeo. It means to come into agreement with God. So in order to actually give your life to God, to be a follower of God, you have to come into agreement with God. That means I'm wrong, you're right. I'm a sinner, I can't save myself. I'm lost without you, you're my savior and my hope. I can't rescue myself, you're my lifeguard and my lifeline. You're the light and life of my life. You're my salvation. I follow and trust and put my hope and belief solely in you. Today I confess I'm a sinner that's, that wants to be and decides and is determined to be saved by grace. If you know that's you today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, never, not last week you raised your hand, no, today you, is the day of salvation. And you know that's you, I want you to raise your hand good and high and say, that's me. I don't want to leave today without confessing Jesus as my Lord, coming into agreement with God for my life. Is there anyone here? Praise the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anything else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Those of you online, you just respond to this prayer. Say this with me, church. Say, Jesus, I confess. I come into agreement with you, God. I fall out of agreement with me and myself leading my life. I decide today to let you be my Savior and you be my Lord. Thank you for paying for my sins. I decide today to surrender and submit my life to Jesus Christ now and forever in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen come on give the Lord a big hand clap come on come on